Well, hello, 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 everybody. Hello, everybody. It is time for the weekend edition. Yes, we've been having some technical difficulties. Of course, that would happen the day that I'm trying to do podcast first, right? So welcome to you podcast listeners to the weekend edition. Please feel free to subscribe, like, share, comment below, all that sort of good stuff, wherever you are, whether you're on Rumble, whether you're on on my website at techfreedom.pro or somewhere else. It doesn't matter. Just as long as you do. Anyway, so let's let's get to the news, shall we? All right, so first story of the day is we've got some trouble in paradise. Well, nearly paradise, actually. Arizona, to be specific. Um, and TSMC, with their, new fa- with their new factory there, had partnered with Apple to produce their new Bionic and M-series chips. The problem, though, is that they don't have enough U.S. talent to put together the factory right and then to operate it at full tilt. So they're needing to import talent from overseas. And not only that, but that bumps your latest eye devices, you Apple people out there, including you, Connor. Um... Anyway, uh, sorry, I have to give him a hard time because he gives me crap all the time. Anyway, so, yes, um, there's going to be a delay in terms of shipping and dealing with Apple stuff. And AMD stuff, for that matter. Yikes. Um, Because we just don't have the talent here in the U.S. And why is that? Well... Our education system. (laughs) It's so bloated and so full of bureaucracy that so little of of the money that we throw at it actually gets to the people it needs to needs to get to. That it's actually kind of ridiculous. If you think about it. Like it no, no. Not just if you think about it. It's ridiculous, period, guys. Um, The reality is we were the ones who developed these chips to begin with. We invented the, the, the transistor here in the United States. And yet, a couple generations later, three, yeah, about three generations, um, we don't have the talent to create the most the most current version of transistors. Because our education system is absolute crap. It's not the teacher's fault. Well, not entirely. It's... It's a trickle-down effect from the very top, from the National... The National Teachers Associations, from the National Unions, from the Department of Education at the federal level, down to the state level, down to the regional, down to county, down to city, down to district. Okay? Yeah. It's a hot, stinking mess. I wish it weren't. I really wish it weren't. But it is. Um, The reality is that it's just a a hot mess right now. And the only way forward that I can see is to burn it, burn it to the ground and rebuild it. Decentralized. Now, I'm sure that if you've been around for a while, you know my feelings about centralized anything. And, you know, in certain circumstances, I can see where centralizing anything would be, be could be beneficial. Okay? I'm not 
I'm not just an idealist here, though I am an idealist, but not just, okay? It is more than that. And this whole, like, anytime an industry crops up around an issue, whether it be education, whether it be poverty, whether it be fill in the blank, whatever, whatever the, whatever the scenario, anytime an industry or more than one industry pops up around an issue, that issue is not going away because there are too many people making their bacon off of that issue, making their dough off that issue. Whether that be neurodivergent issues in the classroom, you know, uh, autism spectrum, fill in the blank. There are there are there are a bunch of them um, that lead to behavioral issues that learn that lead to learning issues, like genuine learning issues. Look, I used to work. In education, I was a teacher's aide for autistic kids, largely. In my ever so opinion, and crucify me if you want, but my my sense is that most, at least high functioning autistic kids, wind up being babied and not required to do what everybody else does. And it's not because they can't. It's because they're never pushed. Because, oh, well, poor them, they're, they're autistic. So they, we, can't, we can't expect them to excel in school or in life. So we essentially disable them. You know, that's just one example. When it comes to homelessness, that's a that is that issue has ballooned so far beyond the realm of what's realistic. Okay, it's ballooned so far beyond the realm of what's realistic that I can't wrap my head around how we can get out of it, other than by doing anti-corruption sweeps somehow and government is not the way forward <laughs> government is not the way forward because government's been feeding the corruption they've been feeding the beast because their friends are in the beast their friends are the beast um i'm sure you guys have noticed the revolving door between politics big tech and these hot button issues of the day so a politician goes in moderately clean, okay? I don't think any politician is completely clean. That's just me, though. Um, because in order to get where there's power, you have to make deals. There's no way to get there pure. It's just the way it is. It sucks, but that's the way it is. Okay, so... So yeah, it's it's messy at best. It's messy at best and other than gutting the whole thing, other than bringing the whole corrupt temple down around around uh, down on their heads. <laughs> Love that scene. Anyway, um other than that, I don't see a way to really handle this under the current situation to actually solve the poverty issue, to make it so that homelessness is not an attractive thing for fellow human beings. Pardon me. 
hopefully that'll anyway um where was i oh yes um corruption homelessness poverty all this all these things like the whole thing needs to just get burned down and i'm not the type to take much action on that but i see these issues and they need to be solved guys yeah this is supposed to be about tech but i also have deep convictions and this touched on some of these things for me anyway i digress let's move on to the next story shall we um another issue another apple problem so what's the apple problem now well the uk online safety bill um i've talked about this before on the show for those of you who are just turn, tuning in for the first time through the through the podcast um i'm generally not a fan of expanding government authority or power i'm fairly libertarian in that uh, in that regard so anytime there's an, a power grab from the government sector it makes me uneasy at best and this is no different um, they're trying to update their uh, their regulations their rules uh, so that Anyway, they're trying to update their rules and regulations so that it will actually protect kids. Or at least that's what they're saying. But the bottom line is, this: one of the things that this bill would do is force encrypted messaging apps. See, WhatsApp, which is not truly encrypted. It's encrypted to their servers. It gets decrypted and then gets re-encrypted and sent to your intended recipient. Um... Signal really is end-to-end encrypted. There's no server in between. That's why... um, That's why you can only do so much in terms of um, having multiple devices on your account. Um, And then there's FaceTime and iMessage. That's That's where the Apple connection comes in. And all these companies are threatening to pull their products from the UK if this passes as is. Because they don't want to sacrifice the security and the privacy of their users elsewhere in the world. Okay. So, yeah. So basically, this would allow the home office to demand security features to be disabled without telling the public. Under the update, this would have to be immediate. Currently, there has to be a review, and then there has to be an independent oversight process, and a technology company can appeal before taking any action. Because of the secrecy surrounding these demands, little is is known about how many have been issued and whether they've actually been complied with. So end-to-end encryption, E to E. The idea here is that whatever message, whether it be a picture, whether it be a voice message, whether it be a video message, whether it be just text, gets scrambled. Okay, that's encryption. From you to the person you're sending it to. And nothing happens to it in between, in theory, anyway. Um, Unfortunately, that's not how most of these work. Because, like, with anything to do with iCloud, their server is in the middle. That way, all of your devices and all of your recipients' devices that are on the... Because you're, you're really encrypted between the accounts, not the devices. With iMessage, with FaceTime, okay? And there's already something where... Apple, if you let them, will decrypt on device any message that gets sent out to look for anything sketch. 
you can turn that off and I encourage you to. Um, anyway, so yeah, end-to-end -end, end -end encryption, it should be the standard for, for electronic communication. It should be. For anything that's private, okay? And there's different levels of encryption, okay? But I'm not gonna get into the weeds there. So we've got WhatsApp, we've got Signal, we've got iMessage, and we've got FaceTime. That are the companies or foundations behind them are seriously thinking about pulling them from these or from the UK rather than submitting to this secret backdoor. So good on them if they actually stick to their guns. For me, I'm wondering how much of this is smoke and how much of it's actually fire. Okay. How much of this is that they're actually going to do it? I don't know. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if they follow through. We'll see if they, we'll see who blinks. Will the UK government blink in their commitment to protect the kids? Because after all, this is about the children. Yes and no. It's also about eliminating people's privacy. All right, let's move right along, shall we? The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. This is one of the biggest merger deals that has ever been cut. Biggest ever, okay? In the sort of electronics computer space, okay? Um, and if you don't know, I mean, I can't imagine that anybody who'd be interested in this wouldn't know who Microsoft and Activision Blizzard are, but you know, Microsoft makers of, um, a rootkit OS called windows, um, and other products that buy similarly, whether the Xbox, whether uh, Skype, whether MS Teams, whether MS Office. It's all meant to scrape data and learn as much about you as they possibly can so that they can control you that much better without being quite so opaque about it. Okay. So they already have their own game studio. I mean, come on, Halo. Uh, back in the day, Dungeon Siege. Um, I don't think it, no, Empire Earth wasn't. Um, Age of Empires is another Microsoft one. Anyway, and then Activision. Activision makes all sorts of games. Call of Duty, Dota, uh, WoW. All of all these major titles, okay? And of course, Microsoft has Azure, which is their uh, anyway, it's their um, the Microsoft Cloud. So one of the concerns that most regulators have had is how Microsoft buying this other game producer would affect the availability of titles like Call of Duty, like WoW, like Dota, like Hearthstone even. They were concerned that Microsoft would just cut it off. No more Call of Duty on PlayStation. No more Call of Duty on Nintendo because it's all PC and all Xbox. Well, that's not happening. They made deals to deal with that. The UK CMA is stubborn. And, you know, I gotta wonder how much 
this deal. Like, th so they've extended it three months so that the UK CMA can have a chance to take a look at the restructured deal to see if all of their concerns are addressed. And we'll know by the end of next month. Well, in about a month, actually, is their deadline. Um, you know, I, I have to talk a, a little bit about the meaning of words. Government. I don't know if you know the etymology of the word government. Govern means control. Okay. You're, you control something if you govern it. Mint is another word that's from the Latin that means mind. So it's mind control. That's government. Okay. Then there's entertainment. That's something to amuse your mind. Or perhaps capture your mind. Which games do. They allow us and they allow us an escape from the doldrums of daily life. I'm not against games, per se. What I am against is an imbalance. Okay? I'm not against playing a game here and there. Shoot, I'm going to play a game later, guys. Um, but when the game starts to take over your life, which especially early on in WoW and still to this day with some people with Call of Duty and WoW. There are addiction issues and it doesn't behoove these game houses, these publishers to make games that are not addicting, that won't grab you, okay? because they want you to be hooked so that you'll keep playing and buy the new version and get the loot boxes and all this nonsense, right? But on the other hand, too much work is not good either. We have to have life balance, yes? So with that said, if government is about controlling your mind, and entertainment is about amusing your mind. Then government controlling entertainment kind of makes sense. And government shouldn't be terribly concerned with people. Well, actually, they should be concerned with people being unproductive because they're playing too much. Because every nation, every country, every people needs to be productive in order to function in society, right? And I'm not talking, I'm not just talking about going from uh, 9 to 5 to 9 to 5, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing something that actually matters. That's productivity. The way I see it. So, we need to be careful we need to make sure that we know what we're doing and how much we're doing because things can sneak up on you, whether it be workaholism or whether it be a game addiction, whether it be a substance addiction, whether it be a porn addiction, any or all of the above, anything that takes you out of equilibrium will begin to destroy your life. All right, rant over. And moving on, we've got a little bit of Ripple news. And just for the sake of transparency, I do hold some XRP. That's all I'm going to say. Um, wife doesn't really want me to say that much, but that's why I'm interested, okay? So, the... Chief counsel for Ripple Labs believes that U.S. banks will start to use XRP to take care of cross-border transactions. 
cross-border transfers. Because that's what XRP was designed to do with its on-demand liquidity, okay? Um, it was meant to eventually replace the SWIFT system, which is aging, slow, possibly a little corrupt, allegedly. I'm not going to touch that one right now. Whereas XRP is instant, cheap, and secure from tampering. So the banks would buy XRP, use the XRP to send money to a foreign bank or a foreign person, doesn't matter. And then that bank or person would then swap that XRP for their currency, for their fiat currency. So you don't need to have all of this extra, extra machinery in the mix. It's quick. Okay. And, you know, they're saying that depending on the demand, Ripple Labs may actually file XRP as a security in keeping with that half of the, <laughs> of the ruling that Judge Torres made. You know, and the great thing is, for those of us who hold it, who have had diamond hands, or have been forced to have diamond hands, if it grows into what they hope, the sky is the limit for token valuation here, guys. Um, but that's just my opinion. I'm not, I'm not an expert on this. Um, I've just been paying attention somewhat for the last five or six years. So what do you guys think? Do you think cryptos are bunk? Do you think um, cryptos are the are the way of the future? Do you think what? What's your opinion on cryptos? What's your opinion on XRP? Is it a security? Is it not? Let me know in the comments. Seriously, I want to hear from you guys. I, I say it all the time, but I mean it. Moving on to AI. <laughs> One of my favorite whipping boys, right? So... Nick Clegg, who is the VP of Global Affairs at Meta, who was formerly the, the assistant prime minister or something like that in the UK. So if he sounds English, that's why. Clegg, I mean, come on. Anyway, so he says that AI is actually quite stupid. <laughs> Wait, wait, I've been saying that for months. Almost a year now. Um, because large language models are stupid. Chatbots are stupid. They don't actually understand what they're processing. They've just mashed together so much data that they can kind of guess what might make sense coming next. That's all these things do. They don't understand what you're asking them. Not in the way that a human being would, anyway. Not yet. And, by the way, Meta actually open-sourced Llama 2, the, their large language model. Um, now, usually I'm all for open-source everything. Open-source all the things, yes. Rah-rah, open-source. But when you've got a major player like Meta or like Apple, or like Microsoft, or Google, being the primary beneficiary of the open source work. And they ultimately control the hosting. They ultimately control the whole thing. That makes me uneasy. It just does. I'm sure you can't blame me on that one. I mean, it's kind of kind of a joke it's kind of a really bad joke to be honest um but on the other hand with it being open source now those of us with the skills can actually take a look at their data set they can take a look at their weights they can take a look at all the algorithms that shape llama 2 and maybe start to reshape it just a little bit and the other thing that makes me suit like beyond uneasy, like it gives me the willies for real. Um, it gives me the willies that Meta is actually 
partnered with Microsoft on this. Um, so the open source Llama 2 is hosted on the in the Azure cloud. So uh, Meta and Microsoft in bed together. Uh, privacy nightmare. Seriously, privacy nightmare, guys. Um, I wish it weren't. I wish I could say that it was all hunky-dory. But I can't. Um... Anyway. These darn ads. Anyway, where was I? I got distracted by the ad. Anyway, um, and, you know, the writer is concerned about regulatory stuff. Oh, no. How are we going to regulate open source? Ooh. It's enough of a regulatory nightmare when it, with just centralized stuff. How do we, how do we handle this? Well, that's one of the joys of open source. You can't. <laughs> if something's truly open source, it can't really be regulated. Um, by definition. Pardon me. Had to get some water there. Um... So yeah, eh, that. <laughs> um, yes, the current models are far short of the dire warnings <laughs> from that open letter that was signed by luminaries such as Elon Musk back in March. Yeah, anyway, so that's that. So, the CEO of Stability AI, which is the company behind Stable Diffusion, um, thinks that we are right at the very beginning of an investment bubble. Think.com. And he thinks that there will be a total investment needed of about a trillion dollars. Trillion. T-R-I. Not B-I. Trillion. Okay. And he thinks that the craze has just begun. He foresees the largest investment bubble in history. Um, so, do you, do you want to get involved with a bubble? I'm not sure that that's a good idea because you never know when a bubble's going to burst. Um, he thinks that companies that are wise with how they use, how they develop, how they implement AI and generative AI especially will do well. But companies which misuse it will wind up getting punished in the stock market. He may be right there. Just maybe. I don't know. Let me let me uh, repeat my oft my my oft refrain, okay? Um, AI, especially generative AI, is just a tool. It is a set of tools, nothing more. Make sure you check whatever it produces if you're going to use it at all, because you never know if it will hallucinate something. And then you turn it into your employer or your or your teacher, your professor, and you wind up being uh, laughed laughed out. Um, if that's not something you want to have happen to you, my suggestion, my very very strong suggestion, is always make sure that you check its work if you choose to use it at all. Like, my strategy, if I would use it at all, and 
I don't plan on using it ever, to be honest. Um, if I were to use it on something like a report or a research paper in school, I would perhaps, you know, type in the uh, your thesis and see what sources it comes up with because it's it's a glorified search engine, guys, and it has access to things that are paywalled. So it can find you some really good sources, whether you'll be able to access those sources later on or not is a different story, but it can find you some really good sources, but it can also manufacture them whole cloth. So be very careful in how you use it. Remember, it's just a tool. Keep it in perspective. Don't use it for anything mission critical, you guys. Check its work. And remember, there are monstrous, monstrous privacy concerns. So never give it any personal information. I mean, think about it. OpenAI is largely owned by Microsoft. Bard is run by Google. Llama, 2, Llama and Llama 2 are run by Meta. Three of the world's biggest, pardon me, thing, three of the world's biggest, most egregious privacy violators. Because they've realized that our data is more valuable than the products that they're allowing us to use. That's why everything's gone to a subscription model. That's why even Windows has gone to operating service, uh, sorry, operating system as a service, like macOS. That's why once you've installed it, upgrades and upgrades and updates are free. And they'll force it on you. So yeah, privacy concerns. Be very careful. And let's go, let's talk about our last story of the evening, shall we? So what do we got here? We have another open letter, people. This is put out by the British Computer Society. And they're much more uh, positive about AI. And this one, they have 1300 people, experts, business people, etc. And it really seems to serve as a counterweight to the heavy doom and gloom from that, from the open, <laughs> the open letter I talked about earlier. Um, it's, you know, but the problem is it still feels really hypey to me. It's like AI rah, rah, rah. It's not going to hurt us. It can't hurt us, at least not yet. And according to one gentleman who signed it, who actually has a cybersecurity company that's based on AI tools. Oof. Um, yeah, one of my good friend, Connor, friend of the channel, uh, is his family business is cybersecurity. And they've had an issue with a pen testing company that they contracted with. And the tool was terrible. I don't know what tool it is. It's none of my business. But it largely tried to automate the process from my understanding. And it didn't work. Um, so AI-based cybersecurity sm smells a little fishy to me. Could it be good? Sure. Is it necessarily? No. Give me a break, you guys. Um, anyway, I digress. Back to this, back to this story, though. So, yeah. 
Um, they think Richard Carter is, is the gentleman who found, founded this AI-powered startup cybersecurity business. Um, he says, frankly, the notion that an AI is an existential threat to humanity is too far-fetched. We're just not in any kind of a, any kind of a position where that's even feasible. And I agree. I, I agree with him on that. Um, current AI is, it, well, it's not re Okay, there's general AI and then there's generative AI. General AI is what the people who signed that letter in March are concerned about. They're concerned about a singularity. They're concerned about AI taking over the world. You know, Skynet, that sort of thing. Or the Matrix, right? So, but the thing is, current generation, at least what the public can see of current generation, generative AI, is worlds apart from that. And this guy, Richard Carter, said, <laughs> also said, that he thinks that it's kind of like a very knowledgeable and a very excitable 12 year old. <laughs> I like that analogy. I like that metaphor. And I think it works. Um, however, he does see the need for greater regulation. And unless there's something major that changes in the heart of humanity, okay? unless there's something that changes majorly in the heart of humanity, these tools that we're creating will keep mirroring their creators who are broken, who are flawed, who are biased, who are filling the, filling the negative thing, right? And will amplify whatever that bias is, whatever that brokenness is into the answers that it, that it provides because of the inputs that it's received. Okay. Then there are also the privacy and intellectual property issues. Last week we talked about how Sarah Silverman is suing these AI companies, particularly OpenAI and Meta, basically Microsoft and Meta, but you know, whatever, because her intellectual property was used in training these large language models without her consent. Because these things have the ability, like I mentioned earlier, to punch through paywalls. They have the ability to punch through paywalls and grab whatever text, whatever images they want that fit with the parameters of the bots that are scraping to grab all this information for them. Okay. And he also thinks that there's not much danger of really being replaced in general by generative AI. Because for one thing, it always needs a human to give it input. It can't think, literally. This generative AI, whether it be ChatGPT, whether it be Bard, whether it be whatever it is that Llama 2 powers for Meta, it's not that scary, guys. It's just not. It's just a lot of data. And if you're comfortable with these mega corporations who have shown a callous disregard for privacy rights, for even intellectual property rights, other than their own. <laughs> other than their own. Because Lord knows uh, some of these companies are very litigious. Say Microsoft. Say uh, Apple. How many lawsuits has Apple filed over the years? Because they felt like their IP was being infringed in some way. A lot. Anyway. So. 
And we talked about the privacy issues earlier. It's just mass amounts of data going to these mega corporations who don't care about personal privacy. Because your data fuels their bottom line. Is care necessary? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is this a hair on fire moment? No. Is the world ending? No. Is it going to anytime soon? Probably not. How much do you guys use these tools? Have you started using ChatGPT? Have you started using the Bard AI? Do you appreciate the AI summaries on your search results in Google, in Brave Search, in DuckDuckGo even? I'm not a huge fan, to be honest. It can be helpful, but sometimes those summaries are not particularly useful. Anyway. I don't know about you guys, I don't trust them very much, if you couldn't tell. Um, but what about you? Do you trust them? Do you trust the tools? Do you trust the creators of the tools? And what about the hype? Do you think the world's going to come to an end because of generative AI? Or do you think it's no big deal? Or are you somewhere in between? Let me know down in the comments. And... This is where the podcast is going to end. Thank you guys. Um, I, I deeply appreciate you listening. Um, it's game time. Oh, let me let me sum up for the <laughs> for the podcast people. Okay. So this week we covered a lot of ground. We covered all sorts of things from Apple having some setbacks to the Microsoft Activision merger news to Ripple and XRP to AI. So the TSMC plant in Arizona, brand new plant, doesn't have enough native US talent. Wow. Wow. And I went into a rant on education, on homelessness, on issues and corruption. Um, I and the bottom line for this for for this particular article is that the chips that Apple needs in order to be less reliant on the CCP less reliant on overseas production for its processors is being set back about a year because TSMC is having to ship in talent from overseas to train people who are here already. And that's because our education system is crap. Because for all the money we've been, we've been throwing at it, for the last 30 years, at least, you know, or perhaps since the US Department of Education was started back in the 80s under Reagan. Oh, maybe he wasn't so great. Anyway, I digress. Um, and all the, all the issues with disabilities and the industries that have cropped up around treating them and uh, trying to create adaptive spaces for these kids who are differently able. Talk about it, colorless, odorless <laughs> um, term, or uh, as, as George Carlin would say, bloodless. Anyway, I digress. So yeah, that's the TSMC situation. Your US made Apple devices are going to be a year 
a year further out. So instead of being available in 2025, you're going to have to wait until 2026. The second story of the day, the UK online safety bill has Meta through WhatsApp, Signal, and Apple through iMessage and FaceTime threatening to pull their services, pull their products from the com- from the country so that they don't have to, so that they're not forced to install these secret backdoors into their encryption systems, which would breach your privacy even more than they already do. Um, so they're threatening to pull their pull their products if the UK doesn't accede to their demands and get rid of those provisions. Is this just a whole lot of smoke? I don't know. Then we talked about end-to-end encryption and what it is, how it kind of base baseline how it works. Bottom line with end-to-end encryption is that's your best bet to keep your communication private. Okay. Bottom line. And, you know, we'll see who blinks here. We'll see which side flinches. Will the UK flinch and get rid of those requirements? Or will the companies back down and not pull their products? Who knows? We'll see. Then we talked about more about government and entertainment. And we did, I did a rant on etymology and balance. And this deal got extended by three months because the UK's Competition and Markets Authority regulatory body is not willing to be flexible. They're forcing a restructured deal, which is going to take some time. Personally, I don't like this deal, but that's just me. I don't think that Microsoft needs any more uh, entertainment properties. or the data that they provide. Yeah. Uh, Then we talked about Ripple and XRP and what the original purpose for for XRP is. And it's cross-border transactions, transfers between countries and and fiat currencies. It was meant to replace, it was meant to replace SWIFT. And we'll see what happens, whether they wind up having to having to file as a security in the U.S. or not. Um, if it grows as they hope it will, sky's the limit for the for the value of XRP. And yeah, I I hold some. Um, then we got into AI. Talked about Nick Clegg, uh, who is the VP of Global Affairs at Meta. Um, he basically dogged large language models. He called them quite stupid. Which is something I've been saying for months. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Um, but that whole scenario where he was talking was all about the fact that they're open sourcing Llama 2. Uh, and partnering with Microsoft to host this open source Llama 2 in the Azure cloud. Um, Yikes. Yes, I appreciate that they open sourced it. That's good. It's a step in the right direction. But when both Meta and Microsoft are on on the beneficiary side of open source work, of open source development, not to mention data, That's a problem for me. And they're wondering, the author of the of the piece was wondering how it is that they're going to manage to regulate open source. Well, it's difficult at best because you whack one mole down and another one pops up. Whap, 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 whap. Anyway, so yeah it makes it much more difficult. Then we talked about 
an investing bubble for AI. The CEO of Stability AI, who makes Stable Diffusion, thinks that we're just at the beginning of the world's biggest investment bubble. World's biggest investment bubble. Yep. Wow. Okay, so, yeah. What do you guys think? You think it will be bigger than the dot-com bubble? Who knows? He thinks that wise companies will do well, and those that abuse the technology will be punished on the stock market. I don't know. I think we're still too early in the game to make pronounces, pronouncements like this. And as almost every time I talk about AI, remember, keep it in perspective. It's just a tool don't use it for anything mission critical. Always check its work because it could lie to you. It could make up a source and an, and an entire story out of thin air for no good reason. They call it hallucination. Eh. Anyway. And then of course there's the privacy concerns. Um, with the fact that it's mostly mega corporations that are behind these tools. Do you really want to feed them that much more data by using these chatbots, by using these large language models? Because every time you use it, you actually improve it. Did you know that? And then we closed off by talking about the open letter that serves as a counterweight to the open letter from March, where all of the, all the, all the big shots in Silicon Valley were like, oh, the sky is falling because, oh no, AI is going to take over the world. We've, we've, we've sown the seeds to, to, that'll lead to Skynet or the Matrix. Oh no. As Mr. Clegg from Meta said, these large language models are kind of kind of dumb guys they just are <clears throat> they're just dumb um this open letter just like the one from march is still hypey only on the opposite end they're like rah rah generative ai it's the best it's not gonna hurt us well i don't really think it's gonna hurt us it might slowly disable us because we're depending on it rather than using our brains. But the same argument can be made for any technology. So, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Um, yeah, this one of the signatories called it or likened it to an overly knowledgeable and very excitable 12-year-old. <laughs> and, you know, pri hashtag privacy, hashtag intellectual property. Um, because what if something, if you post something online, AIs and their, and their scraper bots, their data scraping bots that feed them information, Are going to get to it whether it's behind a paywall or not and that's why we talked about a class action lawsuit headed by sarah silverman a week ago because she feels like her um her livelihood has been harmed through the uh machinations machinations of these large language models so she sued along with a couple other a couple other authors meta and OpenAI. yeah that's something that needs to be dealt with there needs to be a way to curb what these things can grab and to give people the right to give creators the right to say, no, you can't use my stuff. 
so yes, care is very necessary. Um, but I don't see this as a hair on fire moment. I, I don't think that it's that big of a deal. I don't think that generative AI will make the leap to general AI and become a Skynet thing anytime soon. I really don't. So, yeah. How much do you use these tools? How much do you trust them? What do you think about the hype? Let me know in the comments. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Those of you who listened to the podcast, uh, welcome again. Um, the music is Warzone by Anna Domini Beats. Um, you can reach out to me via email at media at techfreedom.pro. Um, or you can find me online on True Social, on Gab, on Telegram. I believe all of them are tech underscore freedom. Um, you can also find me on Rumble. Uh, Rumble.com slash C slash Foss News. Um, and you can find the rest of the weekend edition along with Big Show and all of the other content, well, most of the other content that I've produced in the last year or so right there on Rumble. Uh, so again, thanks for, thanks for listening. Those who listen to the podcast and I'll see you guys and I'll, you'll hear from me again next week.